0: You are locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Happy Friday to you. Thank you for spending your best day of the week right here on the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I'm a producer, host, and reporter for the flagship radio station of the Sacramento Kings, Sports 1140 KHDK, here in the capital city. And I'm excited to bring you another episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. If you're unfamiliar with what this podcast is, if you call yourself a Kings fan, I can promise you, you are in the perfect place. This podcast, you get everything. You get my commentary. You get interviews. You get highlights. You get breaking news. It's all right here for you on the Locked on Kings podcast, a podcast completely dedicated to the Sacramento Kings that runs each and every weekday, you will either hear from myself or my partner, Charles T. Hamilton. He may not be in next week. A little programming note for you he just had a recent procedure done. He's doing fine, but he may not be able to be ready to go, ready to start. Put him on the IR maybe for next week. So you may get me a double dose of me two weeks in a row. I hope that is a good thing to you, and I hope that you will enjoy that. And look, I made a promise to you at the beginning of this week that we were going to have an, a monumental return here on the Locked On Kings podcast. And I always deliver on my promises. So really, there's no time for me to do anything else but throw it to this conversation that I got to have earlier. I hope you enjoy, and we're going to have this gentleman who you should be very familiar with. If you're not, get, in- uh, get used to him right now because we're going to have him on very many more times in the future. But uh, here, enjoy this. I hope I-, I know I sure did. Joined by a guy you probably have never heard of. He certainly has never been a part of the Locked On Podcast Network before. Definitely not been a part of the Locked On Kings Podcast. I think his last name is Ross. Is it Jason Ross? You're, you're new to me, too. I just kind of found you on the street, watching and around the KHDK studios. Hey, Jason, how are you? The former voice of the Locked On Kings podcast, the color commentator of Sacramento Kings Radio, alongside uh, the G-man, Jason Ross, joining me. It's good to have him back for the first time since I had the honor and privilege, uh, along with Charles, to to take the torch from you. You did such a phenomenal job with the Locked on Kings podcast, really starting it, getting it off the ground, doing 350-something episodes of it, and then passing it over to us. Uh, again, I appreciate you you doing that. It's been fun to take it where it's been, but it's good to have you back, and I'm sure the listeners are, are happy to have you back, so thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, thank you, Matt. Everything good? Everything is good
0: to go, at least on my end. You yeah. may want to pull the listeners and see how <laughs> how they're doing with Charles and I uh, taking the helm. I'm sure many of them miss you, uh, as, I mean, heck, I used to listen to the podcast all the time before I took It over, so I I miss you as being part of my daily routine uh, a little bit as well, but it's definitely fun. Uh, We're going to talk a lot of March Madness because I wanted to get just your opinions and your takes, and I think a lot of Kings fans are always a little curious or unsure of how to approach March Madness in this NCAA uh, tournament from the perspective of, okay, I'm I'm doing my own scouting for the future of the Sacramento Kings, and it's a big question mark I know for me, for many fans as well, and I was hoping you could help me out with that, but first off... You were up in the radio booth alongside the G-Man on Wednesday night when the Kings beat the Miami Heat, a, uh, a clutch overtime win. De'Aaron Fox, another clutch a bucket. Uh, I was curious to get your take on just your feel on everything, how that game was. To me, it was a, an absolute perfect outcome for the Kings with the young guys stepping up, Fox being clutch again, and the Kings beating a playoff team. But from your perspective and the Kings radio perspective, how was that
1: night for you? Yeah, I feel the same way. I think when... The one negative I could have seen it is when they lost the lead and got it, got into a spot where they could win the game again is when Zach Randolph took the shot. And I could see why a lot of people would have a problem with that. No offense to him. If he makes it, Kings win, great. But that doesn't feel like a team that's not going to make the playoffs, trying to build with some young players, give the young players some opportunities. So those last-second wins this year, a couple of them come from De'Aaron. Bogey had a really big basket Oracle. Scal had a game-winner. I think those things are all valuable. So to get into a spot where you're beating a playoff team by that much, to completely blow the lead, to regroup, and then have De'Aaron show his ability to be very clutch. I mean, that's last-second situations. He's been very productive. And then what a home team should do is when you force overtime, be really strong on OT, and they did that. So – all in all, there were more good things than bad, but De'Aaron Fox, man, he just he has the knack, and that's thats pretty special. You know, I correct
0: what I say earlier. I, I'm going to correct what I said earlier. I know for a fact people who listen to the Locked on Kings podcast miss you because I've spent far too much time talking about this tanking conversation over the past couple of weeks. I focused on yesterday's podcast talking about how I thought this game was fantastic and, and once again pushing the anti-tanking narrative, but to me... Last night hit every single or checked every single box that you would want to check with the young guys. Like I said, stepping up, Bogey was uh, big with that big three pointer Uh, in crunch time. He's been struggling lately. I think Buddy Heald scored 14 points in the final uh, in the fourth quarter and in overtime, 14 of his 24. Uh, To me, it was the young guys stepping up, and ultimately that's a heck a whole heck of a lot more valuable. Ter- than maybe a lottery percentage or a better chance at a, at a shinier ping pong ball. you have any
1: thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, I've always been of the belief, too, that there's some sort of basketball karma out there. You have to compete. You have to be true to the sport. And I think the Kings have done that. They're also not that good. But that doesn't mean that, you know, if this win costs them one spot, I mean, I, I'm still of the belief, Matt, that you have to trust that Vlad in the front office can do their jobs if they're picking first, third, eighth, tenth. Their odds are better to maybe get a good player, but let's say they pick first and you miss... Yeah, That's awful. You pick seventh and you miss. That's bad. It's really bad. The point is they can't miss, and so they've got to get the right pick, and wherever that is, I don't know what will be the right spot for them, but in the meantime, I'd feel a lot better if they keep winning, and they keep, or keep growing and producing. I think that's really important.
0: I mean, the perfect example is Markel Fultz at number one overall, and Donovan Mitchell at 13. I mean, you just never know. It's a coin flip. Also, Kawhi Leonard, he was picked late first round. You have Draymond Green, who was a major splash. Isaiah Thomas the Last year sure. of the draft, we know that name very very well. Uh, so it really is. It's not a exact science in the draft. Last thing for you about uh, about that Miami Heat game and about the Kings before we get on to March Madness is, uh, with all respect to Zach Randolph, because I appreciate his game and I love what he does, and I also recognize that he's probably the most consistent scorer on this roster right now. Uh, but to me, offensively. I think the Kings are a lot more fluid when they don't have him on the floor. He is a ball stopper, and it tends to be every time he touches the ball, which is, I mean, it's good for him being a veteran, but every time the ball gets into his hands, it, he's looking to shoot first and foremost, whether it's on the outside, he's really improved on the outside shot, which I've been surprised with, pleasantly surprised with this year, or for example, uh, the Kings, I don't think when they had the chance to actually take the lead against the Heat on Wednesday night, they... Didn't exactly, I don't think it was their first choice to go to Zach, but as soon as the ball went in, you knew it wasn't coming back out. He was going to force up a tough shot, even if he was going through two or three or four defenders. So to me, Zach Randolph may be hindering some of the development of these offensive players of Buddy Healds and Bogdan Bogdanovich's and De'Aaron Fox's when he's on the floor. Do you have any uh, any opinion on that or see that, or am I just over-exaggerating no, things a little bit?
1: No, I, I think you're onto it. I think that um, that does happen, and I don't know how you avoid it if you play Zach because I think that's his style, and style would be something that I think offensively we're this far in, and I don't know what the Kings style is, and right. I think that's a little bit of a concern. I know when they played Brooklyn here a couple weeks ago, not a good team either. But they were going to shoot a bunch of threes. They had an identity. They want to score a bunch of points. I mean, that was, you know, they were about pace and pushing it. And I actually used an example you told me the other day of when um, New York was here. You were doing radio stats for New York, and you said one of the first things you heard, well, these young kings are going to be up and down. And you're kind of like, no, that's not what they do. But that's what you would think they would do. Mm -hmm. And I think it does make sense if you haven't really seen the kings, but they don't really push it enough for my liking with all the young guys. And I'm not saying it's all Zebo's fault. I just think they haven't figured out a way they want to play yet. And I think you should figure out the way you want to play. Well, it's the tough question. Do you figure out the way you want to play and force your guys into it? Or are you just playing Zebos? I, I don't know. I don't know where they are with it. And I think that's a little bit muddy right now.
0: And to, to be fair to Zach Randolph, too, last or on Wednesday night, the Kings struggled to really get going offensively. They averaged 24 points uh, in the first quarter, which is worst in the league uh, this season. And they scored 24 points in the first quarter, but they really struggled to score outside of the paint for almost the entire first quarter. Their first 14 points were inside the paint. And a lot of that had to do with the production of Zach Randolph. He's been kind of that go to guy early to at least get the Kings going. You could certainly make the argument without Zach Randolph last night and his 20 points that the Kings lose that game. So I'm not saying it's all bad uh, when he is on the floor. It's funny you mentioned uh, me working with the New York Knicks. I also worked with the Heat on Wednesday night, and I remember, and I talked about this on yesterday's uh, podcast, Eric Spolstra called timeout the Kings were up 10. It was 101-91, to 91 and and there was just doom and gloom on the Heat radio broadcast. Man, they're just not playing well defensively. They're horrible. The Kings average 99 points a game. we already given up 101 here. There's still six minutes to go. And he went to break, and I turned to him. It was Mike. And I turned to Mike, and I went, don't worry. The Kings are going to give up a run here because we'd seen it a million times, right? The Kings are going to give up a 6-0 run here. And he goes, man, I don't know. The Kings are playing well, and the Heat just can't get any stops and can't score, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, I'm telling you, a run is coming. Lo and behold, an 8-0 run. Suddenly, the heater back in the game. They actually took the lead, and the Kings had to battle back and be the heroes down the stretch to force it to overtime. So we've seen this song and dance before, but to bring it all back, Zach Randolph is off the floor last night. I don't think the Kings are in that game and put it in a chance to win, and ultimately, I think that's what Dave Yeager's going for is just getting those tallies in the win column, especially when it's your rookies that are ultimately getting the job done.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tricky spot because I don't know that there's any consensus, and I've tried to talk to a lot of people about this, about what – there are plenty of people that have the opinion: play the young guys, let them sink or swim, just do just all that. Or can you learn from the veterans? I, I think there's there. I think Dave is trying to do all of it, which yeah. is not an easy job. No. But I think there's some value in watching in, in Harry Giles and Scal and Willie watching Zebo work. Yeah. And I think there's some value in watching Garrett Temple defend and Vince Carter play like he does. But there's also times where De'Aaron Fox has to go out there and allow 50 points to Damian Lillard. I mean, so basically where they are now I don't think there's a right or wrong but you know it's it's going to be a year where that hopefully you get the growth that you're looking for
0: All right Jason I have a confession to make and and boo me for some reason every single year I just struggle to watch and follow college basketball until the tournament but I don't think it's a something I'm alone with I know a lot of people struggle with this as well I also associate that with I did not go to a major basketball university or school so I know it's a little bit easier if you went to a Kansas, or if you went to a Duke, it's probably a little bit easier for you to follow your alma mater even when you're you're not there anymore, but uh, I didn't have that luxury, so college basketball to me is always wishy-washy, I get to March and I watch these games and I love the March Madness time of the year, it's one of the best sports times of the year, and I think I, I make the mistake of what a lot of fans do is they put too much stock into these games and into, okay, uh, Shabazz Napier a, a few years ago was a star, was absolutely phenomenal in March Madness, and he's never really gotten going. Uh, he was drafted by the Miami, Miami Heat, if, I, if I'm correct there, and he never really has done much in the NBA. Did we put too much stock in him because of how well he played in March Madness? You are more of a college basketball guy than I am how do you watch March Madness and how much stock do you put into players playing well on a big stage in college basketball and that translating over to the NBA?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, everybody is guilty of that now because more people pay attention to the tournament. And so, and then you've probably heard of names. So then it's like, Hey, I know that player from this team. Let's watch them. Hey, he's pretty good. Or I don't think he's as good, but, but, he's played 30 games already and that's where the sample size is or if they're a sophomore or a junior, they've played two seasons or three seasons and so I think we as media or fans of sports, we we watch it now and kind of evaluate now but scouts have been doing it all year or even back to high school or different opinions on these guys and so maybe it's it's validating a belief on someone or if it finding, because most scouts I find look for what you can't do which is kind of amazing as opposed to what you can't do but I think when you watch that that's what you're validating. Oh, this guy has trouble with bigger guards, or this big is a little heavy-footed, or this guy, maybe he's, I don't know that he's strong enough for the NBA. All those kind of things, I think, is what the details that the scouts are looking for. So I think we'll get caught up in someone that makes a long tournament run, but I don't know that, I think the the lottery draft board that we see most of the year is going to stay pretty consistent.
0: Yeah, so let me uh, bring up an example Trey Young started the year just red hot for Oklahoma. He was hitting everything in sight. He was averaging close to 35, 36 points per game uh, early on in the season. He was the next greatest thing since sliced bread, and I bought into the hype mm-hmm. because I didn't really watch much basketball. I just watched his highlight reels and thought, man, what this kid can do, the Kings could certainly use, so I'm guilty of doing that, but he struggled in the second half of the season, and then they were a one and done in, uh, in March Madness in the tournament, so is it wrong of me to think now his draft stock and maybe his his lottery potential is gone down a little bit, or do you think he's still gonna stay kind of the same, I guess, in that six to eight to nine range?
1: Yeah, I think he's still there partly because of the his one advantage this year, Matt, is he's kind of the maybe the only guard. Yeah. I mean, there's so many bigs that are in there. Doncic can play some guard some to point too, but Trey Young, um, I think what he what got caught up in is he, he burst onto the scene, which was awesome, like you said. And then the second time around through league, everybody had a different plan for him, and I think he had to adjust for that, which is also another piece of information that scouts can learn from. All right, well, these are the best coaches and the best players in the NBA, and they'll go, all right, this is how we're going to slow him down. He's got to make the next adjustment. But I think there's a skill there. I think his ball handling, his passing ability – will make him a nice professional, and obviously he's got great range. So he's got a skill that does translate, and I still think he's a lottery pick. Then it becomes what does that one team see? And if someone sees him as high as three or four, then they'll be happy with it. If not, I can see him, though, in that – Kind of that range you said, six to ten ish, maybe.
0: Are there any names that just jump off the page, guys, that you have your uh, your just your sights set on and you're gonna be watching games specifically for these pieces because you think they could play or be a future Sacramento King, or are you more watching for the, the major matchups, the upsets, and and looking at the school more than a, a player themselves.
1: Yeah, I kind of watch more so for the drama of it, just like the upsets. I'll root for that. I want to see the games come down to the end. But then when there's kind of even as the tournament goes farther, if Arizona, let's say, is still in, and I've seen them play a lot, DeAndre Ayton, I'm a, I am mean, I think he's incredible. But just to watch him in another game and see if what, – what, how does he look if he has that uh, – four for 14 game or what does he look like if he's 12 of 14 and he's dominant and the best player in the floor? I just kind of want to see all of that but in the end it's um it's you know the more I've watched I used to watch college basketball all the time I mean I really did all yeah. the time and now when you watch it I mean I'm really noticing the separation between the pros and the and college like I don't feel like I noticed it as much years ago but now it's It's a different game. It's a little bit slower. There's so many timeouts at the end. It's just funny how it's – but the tournament, though, is just – is the best.
0: Yeah, and I I appreciate the fact that, obviously, the talent level in the NBA far outweighs um, college basketball. And Henry said something very interesting a couple nights ago when I worked with him on game night before Kings and Heat uh, on KHDK. Henry Turner, the high flyer, he said that, you know, a lot of these guys are the stars in college basketball on their team, so they're not very special – then they translate to the nba where you're talking about a compilation of stars join one team and then one or two stars arise out of that compilation so it's really that's a massive jump what i love about march madness is just the level of competition and the level of hustle and intensity from everybody from number one through number 15 mm-hmm. on the bench everybody plays hard and recognizes like defense is extremely important uh, getting your shot is extremely important uh we know that there are potentially some changes coming to the the format of college basketball and the one and duns and, and things like that, and that's always been a little bit concerning to me is seeing a 19, 20-year-old, let's use a De'Aaron Fox, for example, or a Markel Fultz. They burst onto the scene. They're doing phenomenal. They have a great tournament. They come to the NBA. They're facing 26-, 27-, 28-year-old grown men in their prime, and they struggle right away versus a guy like a Damian Lillard who spent multiple years in college, got multiple... Um, years of of the tournament experience and then we're more nba ready yeah where do you sit kind of on that line
1: yeah and i think um it's tricky because you don't want to ever take anybody's opportunity away um but i do see the value in both for both the nba and honestly for college i think it would really help college if uh the guys were staying longer but you know when you can get quicker to that first big check and it's really about getting to that next contract which is really where your life is completely changed and, and lives of many people in your families. But, like, Matt, right now, I think, if I remember right, if they all stayed, Kentucky would have Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, De'Aaron, uh, you know, Adebayo, Monk, they're from teams from that. But it's, like, Trey Lyles. Right. Then if you had seen them, like, if, if Towns was a senior right now and he's been in the tournament for three years and it's, does he have two titles? Or is this the one he's trying for? The, it just, I think we would... We would all know who the Kentucky guys are, and we have a different feeling. This that story would continue, as opposed to when Kentucky started this year. Who's the next group? I mean, who? I don't. I don't, I don't a know. Who they are. Yeah. So it's just moving on. Duke's becoming same. I mean, most of the schools are becoming the same way. So I think it's you could be attached to the schools. I find more people are attached to the coaches because mm-hmm. oh, I know who Tom Izzo is, or Roy Williams, or Coach K and Calipari, and then the, you just kind of the players eventually catch your eye, but. They're in there so quickly, 25, 30 games, and they're gone. Last
0: uh, couple things for you. First off, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I I also look at if a a 19- or 20-year-old excels in the tournament and builds up all this hype. Had Trey Young, uh, he started the beginning of the year really, really hot and then kind of uh, simmered down. If he had had a phenomenal tournament and done what he did at the beginning of the year during the tournament and carried that momentum and that expectation into the draft and into the NBA and then struggled, uh, I think that's very common. Is there a chance that a player bursting on the scene and playing phenomenally well in the tournament and then getting drafted probably higher than we expected him to be drafted. Is there a chance that actually hurts the development uh, of young players coming into the NBA?
1: I mean, it could, I I think of, um, and I always try to relate it to anything with the Kings. I mean, Jimmer for was a savage college. player. I mean, he really was. If you watch his college tape and you watch him, he looked like an assassin. He attacked the game. You go, yeah, I see it. He's going to be a good pro. And then, First couple games I saw him, he was bodied and challenged and he's retreating on the dribble and he's, and he's backing away. And, and honestly, I think Jimmers finally found it again, but I don't know if he'll ever get back into the NBA, but he, whatever that was, that confidence that he had in college was lost right away. And some guys have it. Some guys attack the game and others just kind of are a little more passive. And he was that way. And um, I don't know how Trey Young will be or even anyone else. And you brought up Donovan Mitchell earlier. And for me, I found even watching guys on TV, when I watch him in person, which is what scouting has to be done this way, I mean, I don't know if you felt the same way, but seeing him in person, I went, wow, mm-hmm. that is a special athlete. And you go, why, why did he go 13? Oh, maybe someone didn't know if he was a point guard or a two guard. He looked explosive to me. And I'm not you know, saying that these other picks won't work out, but you just kind of go sometimes – I, I don't get the order of this sometimes and why it, why maybe he's going to be the best player in the draft. And he went 13. That seems crazy, but he fell there. And, and a lot of teams missed on him.
0: Yeah. Finally, do you have any advice to give the Kings fans of how to approach March Madness and how to watch the tournament without driving themselves crazy and playing Uber Scout and pulling their own hair out?
1: Yeah, just watch the games and enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, or if you have a bracket, Root for that. Root for your school. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be the other thing, too. Of course, if your school's in it, root for them. If you have a player or coach you like, root for them. But, I mean, obviously the Kings, as we th- think, will only have one pick. So if you get attached to too many players, I want this guy, I want this guy. Likely they won't get him because they're only going to get one. But, um, yeah, just enjoy the tournament. I think it's a lot of fun. I will say this. I will remember this a lot for forever because, gosh, this is going to go way back. Uh, 1995 or 6, maybe 5. Was one of the most popular that I can remember received drafts by the Kings. And partly was because they took Corliss Williamson, who was on the national uh, runner up, mm-hmm. and Tyus Edney, who was on the national champion. And everybody knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And other years it's Hito, what? Who? T- Turkaloo? who's that? Or Paige, who are these guys? I know Corliss Williamson because he was on this Arkansas team that won the title and he lost this year. Oh, I know Tyus Edney because he was at UCLA. So they knew the names. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, it's just like if um, a pro football team drafts the Heisman Trophy. You went, oh, I know who that is. Well, he may not work out, but you know him. So you get excited. So I just know that. And the Corliss and Tyus Edney worked out fine. They weren't stars, but it was a happy draft for Kings fans. So if you draft kind of even the day the Kings acquired Bogdan Bogdanovich, I'm like, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll be something. He looks like he's something. So you just have to wait. But, um, even if we don't know the guy, or it's the guy that we all know. Jimmer, very popular. We knew who Jimmer was. Yep. Didn't work out.
0: Jason, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time and joining us. I'm sure all the listeners agree. It's great to have you uh, back on the Locked On Kings. We definitely have to do it again as the draft approaches uh, this summer. Uh, Again, thank you for uh, taking the time and joining me. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Always fun to be able to speak with Jason Ross, a guy who has personally been a mentor to me, someone who has helped me come up through the ranks of this industry, of the sports broadcasting and sports radio industry. He did such a phenomenal job, guys, with this podcast. And I know many of you listened when he was a part of the podcast every single day. I know a lot of you miss him dearly. And so it was great to have him back on. He was willing to come on in a heartbeat as soon as I asked him. We're definitely going to do it more in the future, especially during the summer months when we get closer to the draft and things like that. He is a key guy. To talk to during that time. I know he enjoyed being back on and he wanted me to let you know that he misses all of you as well uh, and that he really, really enjoyed his time as the host of the Locked On Kings podcast. Again, it's an absolute honor for me and Charles T. Hamilton. It's an honor for us uh, to be able to take it over and continue to carry the torch that he not only lit but has carried so brightly into new heights uh, over the past year that he has been working here with the Locked On Podcast Network. So I hope we can continue the momentum that he started as we just. Roll on month after month after month of the Locked On Kings podcast. And I thank you very much for being a part of that as we roll along. If you have any feedback for the podcast, any questions for the podcast that you want answered on the show, anything like that at all, you can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHTK. Contact me. Let you let me know you listen to the podcast. Let me know things you like, you don't like, any questions that you have, any feedback, anything you agree with or disagree with. I love to get into those conversations with you again at Matt George K H T K on Twitter. Find me and let me know. I promise you, I will do my best to respond and get to every single buddy or every single person uh, that sends me a a tweet and takes the time. If you take the time out of your day uh, to listen to me and to want to interact with me and talk Kings basketball with me, it is a privilege for me to be able to do the same uh, for you. So please take advantage of social media and do that. I would love to speak to you there. Again, at Matt George K H T K. Until next week, again, not entirely sure if Charles T. Hamilton is going to be back and ready to go. As of right now, we are planning for next week, it'll be myself again. Maybe myself and Charles once Charles feels better towards the end of the week. So look forward to that. I thank you so much for joining me this week and for future weeks to come. And until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the locked on kings podcast part of the locked on podcast network you are locked on kings your daily sacramento kings podcast
1: part of the locked on podcast network your team every day